0: You are listening to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. I am your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show. Hey everyone, so I am super, super, super excited about this interview. I have another interview for you. Um, me and her actually <laughs> tried to record this interview in the past but it didn't work out. And so I'm really excited to actually be recording again. Um, I'm interviewing one of my good friends. Uh, we've actually gotten closer um, since the time before I even I released the podcast. So I'm really excited about you hearing her testimony. She is phenomenal, super, super, super smart. Her name is Ashley. And so really quickly, just a really quick housekeeping Um I know I talked about before in the intro to this podcast, how you can order your therapy reflection journal. Make sure if you have any questions to email me at therapy as a Christian at gmail.com. Um, and we'll get, and I can answer your questions, rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoy it and find any extra goodies that me actually talk about, um, in the show notes below. So hi, Ash. Hey girl. Hey, <laughs> She knows why I'm laughing. <laughs> How are you, girl? I am doing
1: well. I'm excited to be on again. Um I know. So we're just gonna pray that this episode does what it needs to do.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I um actually me and Ashley knew each other back in college she and I met through a business fraternity that I was in and she was in as well. And, uh, we got connected over Instagram again and we've kind of just like talked and then we're part of this success circle group that she created. And just, I'm so excited for y'all to hear, um, her testimony. So Ashley, why don't you just go ahead and tell the people a little bit about yourself?
1: So I am Ashley Natrice. I am a mindset coach for women of faith, millennial women of faith. Uh, I help them to kind of see what limiting beliefs that they have in their life when it comes to faith, their finances, just how they generally feel about being a woman and things that's blocking them from reaching their goals. And I also have empowerment events around the same topics. And I host a weekly podcast called Sister Talk with Miss Sisternomics. So good. And we focus on, yes, you've been on my podcast. And we talk about (laughs) relationships. We talk about faith. We talk about our mindset. So going to therapy, um, trying to figure out who we are as women and all the different things that go on in our lives. And so, yeah, that's what I do. Um,
0: Yes. What has been, let me ask this question really quickly, and this is not in my questions. What's been your favorite topic or like series? Because, okay, so yes, I was on Ashley's podcast, y'all, and I'll put that up uh, podcast actually in the show notes. We talked about so much stuff. I actually have re-listened to our podcast multiple times, but what has been your favorite um, thing to talk about on your podcast?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Let's see. I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most is this last series that I've been doing with Black men because I feel like I've gotten to know a lot more about how they think, how they feel, uh, why they do some of the things that they do, because I've talked to them about their mental health. I've talked to them about dating. I've talked Ooh, to them about you know, relationships. Um, some of them have talked to me about their own hangups when it comes to who they are as men and their expectations. And, you know, the fact one of the guys was talking about how men are never held again after they're like toddlers. And that really struck me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it struck a lot of women that I've had conversations with that listen to that mm-hmm. podcast episode. So mm-hmm. I think the last four episodes that I've had just centered around black men and them really being vulnerable. I'm so grateful to each guy who decided to take the time out to talk to me because I really think it allowed me to see a different um, perspective when it comes to black men, that they have feelings, that they go through things. And as women, we're just not always aware of what they deal with because we're, we're two different types of people we handle things in different ways and so I think so far that has been um my favorite series to to just chat with them about who they are as is black men and what they deal with
0: yeah and even just like having listening to the podcast series has been really good and even just the aspects of black men and their mental health just all of those things, especially if you're a single woman, but even just as a married woman it has just given a different perspective on the questions. Like, I'll say for me, just the expectations I put on my husband and how I'm expected him to always feel about certain things that may not necessarily be, you know, what I feel is important. And so I think it's just giving me a different lens. Just in the couple episodes I've listened because I haven't listened to all four-year Ash, but I'm going to, um, but just in the couple episodes, the dating one, especially in the married, the um, mental health one, I've just seen how that has just kind of shifted what men desire. And it's just good. It was a really, really good series. So I won't get into a soapbox.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate (laughs) that.
0: So if you're interested in that series, go check it out. Um, Like I said, I'm going to put that in the show notes. And I think you all are really, 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 really going to enjoy it, Um, especially if you have a certain perspective on Black men. Okay, so we're going to get into just what we're going to talk about today. Um, So Ashley, I know that you and I have exhausted, like we have talked so much about mental health personally together. But I want you to kind of tell us your therapy story and kind of what were you going through and kind of some things that happened um, that made you want to seek therapy.
1: So when I started going to therapy, it was really a God thing because It wasn't something that was really going on in my life. Like I wasn't feeling anxious or depressed or anything. I just remember one night I came home and God just told me, I was getting ready to get into bed. He was like, you need to go to therapy. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know, because it was just so much of a stigma around it. I feel like we talk about it a whole lot more now. But when I started back in 2016, I just don't think there was a lot of talk about black people and going to therapy at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I took what he said and I got on psychology today and I put in my different parameters. I wanted a woman, I wanted an African American and I wanted someone who had a Christian background, but I really could not find a black woman that was in my area that her times were going to mesh well with when I needed to go after work. And so God led me to this white woman. She's probably in her mid-30s. And I said, okay, I'll take a a little interview with her. So I reached out to her. We did a a phone conversation, and I went in for my first session. And at that moment, when I got done talking to her, I knew she was my therapist. And she told me, she's like, you're my patient. It, It was just like we clicked automatically it was like, God said, this is who it needs to be. She doesn't look like you thought she was going to look, but this is who I need you to be under care with right now. And so I started going to her and I've been going to her consistently. This is year three. And so my therapy Mm -hmm. journey has been one of a lot of Um, Mm self-awareness. I was terrified to tell my parents like Terrified. I took them to dinner, (laughs) like I was gonna break down that I was, you know, with child or something. I was like so dramatic, like I need to take you guys to dinner because I gotta tell you something. I know they was freaking out, like what is going on with her? What is wrong? (laughs) And I just remember being so nervous, sitting there telling them, like I just want you guys to know that I'm going to therapy, and I was like, that's it.
0: Why, did so, you, why were you scared?
1: Because I, in my family, therapy and, and having those types of conversations, it was always, you know, people who go see shrinks are crazy. And, you know, if you got something mm-hmm. going on and you feel in a certain type of way, you just need to go to the Lord and pray. And so it was a lot of shame for yeah. me to to start going to therapy. And I felt really guilty because I felt like if I was a... Strong enough Christian, or if I had enough faith, or if I was praying to God as hard as I needed to be praying to God, then I wouldn't have had to go to therapy. And I think God led me to go to therapy when He did because He knew A, you got a lot of stuff going on inside of you, girl, that you just, you're not aware of. It's showing up in your demeanor, it's showing up in your relationships, it's showing up in your attitude. And so there was things that was going on with me that I was oblivious to from my past and my childhood and things that I thought I had gotten over that I think he wanted me to be prepared for. Um, And then also he knew what was coming and he knew I needed to have a strong mindset to be able Mm -hmm. to handle some of those storms that were on their way in my life. And so I'm very grateful that I moved when he told me to move because I really think it's the thing that helped keep me sane, given all of the things that I had to deal with after I started going to therapy.
0: So had, before he told you to go, did did you have any understanding of what a therapist was? Like did anybody you knew had gone to therapy like right up until that, right up to that point?
1: No, I didn't know anyone who had gone to therapy. Of course i saw you know, scenes and things like that on movies and on TV shows of what therapy looks like. But I didn't know anyone personally that had gone to therapy. I knew a couple of people that were in the mental health field, but mm-hmm. I went in blind, really. Like, I went in with not a whole lot of expectation of what mm-hmm. to uh, of what was going to be happening. I just mm-hmm. knew he told me to go. And it was, it had been pressing on me. It's like I, I said in the beginning that I made the decision that night to look it up, but I feel like there were, there were signs and he was telling me before that I needed to go, but I just was trying to brush it off. But that night he was real clear. And I just decided to make the decision to go and, mm. and to, to get, a little bit more understanding of who I am. And I think that's what therapy ultimately does. It just gives you a better understanding of who you are and it, it makes you face things about yourself and it makes you face things about your behavior and how you're showing up in yes. the world. And I, I just, yes, it's a blessing. And I think to that's just to do that. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. And I also think that that's very brave that you went out of one, I would say just like sheer obedience, but also going with no context of what it was going to look like to be able to know, like you said, those storms that were coming and to be able to know how to deal with it. Um, Because I think, and you can even speak about this yourself, like self-awareness alone is a journey because even when I started therapy back in 2014, for me, it was like, I didn't know that what that was what I was doing like I was starting my journey with self-awareness which led to fully kind of dealing with therapy last year and really healing um can you kind of just even talk about how self-awareness has just like changed your life in a way I know we haven't got deep into the questions but that's one of the things I feel like Therapy gave me a lens of self-awareness and what that was like for me has kind of changed the way that I feel about a lot of things. So what has self-awareness been like for you?
1: ooh. ooh. well, let me tell you. <laughs> self-awareness for me has been a game changer. It's made me take responsibility for how I show up in all areas of my life. Whereas before it was a lot easier, like if I did something or if I said something and it was out of line, I could just brush it off and be like, whatever, that's just who I am. You know, that's just how I I act. That's just what I say. But when you're more self-aware and you start working that muscle, you can't do that anymore. Like you, it's right smack dab in your face that you need to be accountable for how you how you react to things, how you respond to things. And so being more self-aware has really given me a lot more confidence in myself. So let's say I'm faced with a dilemma or a disagreement with someone. I can stand a lot more firm in how I feel about something, but I can do it in a lot Mm. more love than I used to. Mm. Like I'm a stubborn person. And so if I think I'm right, I think I'm right. (laughs) You know, like, I don't care what you say. You can come with all the facts. But if I think I'm right, then I think I'm right. But being more self-aware and understanding that that's how I am, it's helped me to, even if I feel like I'm right, I can come back to that person in a loving way. Or I can take what that person has said to me, go reflect on it, and really think and say, Was I really right in this? And if I wasn't, now I have the ability to go back and say, you know what? I was wrong. You were right. And I apologize for how I reacted to you. And so I can own Mm -hmm. that part of it. Whereas before I would have just chalked it up as like, you know, it is what it is. They'll get over it. So it's made me have to show up in a different way. um, in a lot of my relationships and my friendships in my relationship with my significant other, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, you know what? Who is showing up right now? I I just recorded an Instagram live. Well, not it wasn't live, but an Instagram TV video that I'm going to put out on Facebook as well. And I talked about how I have four different sides of myself. I have my present self I have my future self I have my past self and I have my infant self and my infant self is that part of me that I feel like has helped me to become more self-aware because my infant self is like that insecure Ashley that shows up that she acts like a baby and she acts like a victim and she acts like you know everybody is doing me wrong and so when my insecurities start to show up I have to say okay infant or baby ash is kicking in right now you got to be a little bit more self-aware ashley Mm. about how you're showing up and so i have to make sure that you know the right ashley is showing up and i'm not allowing that that baby that immature that infant person in me to take over because she she wreaks havoc when she does and so that's that self-awareness piece that i think i got a lot more clear about by going to therapy
0: right So let's talk backwards because I think self-awareness can be a part of the working through and even towards the finish line of having to go to therapy. So we're gonna talk backwards from that because I think especially when you're in the for someone who's starting therapy, they definitely probably aren't there yet. That self-awareness where I can look at a situation, dissect it, look at myself and say, What did how was I a part of a situation? Um, so, so let's work backwards. So, tell me when you started. You went to therapy. Tell me about like your first session and what happened.
1: Ooh. Rosalind, I I'm trying to think. What happened in my first session?
0: <laughs> or just even like how?
1: <laughs> no, okay. How
0: was your connection? So, how was your connection with your therapist? Did you feel comfortable? Like, what was that like for you? Especially even there- knowing that she was a different race than you too.
1: Yeah, so I was very hesitant when I first went to see her because I had my guard up because she was a white woman. And I didn't know if she was going to be able to relate to some of the things that I needed to go in and talk about. Because before I went to see her, she sent me just like a, a PDF of questions to make sure that I thoroughly answered, you know, gave me different areas of my life to see what I need to work on and and where I felt like I was having some roadblocks. And so I filled all of that out. So I knew going in that we were gonna work through those things that I put on the paper. And that's where she was going to start. So our first session was really about going through the different things that I come up with and ranking them for from what was most important to, you know, what could we get to later in the year or later in our sessions. And so that was really like step one. But when I first went to her, the thing that made me the most comfortable is because she prayed before we started the session. And from her prayer, I knew that she was a woman of God, you know? And so it it allowed Mm -hmm. me to let my guard down because I remember her praying for me to be open and to be, willing to participate in my own healing. And I wasn't going to wow. be able to do that if I was still so hung up on what she looked like. And so that was, mm. that was session number one.
0: Wow. That was, that's awesome. Okay. Mm. So, so getting into like, as you're going to therapy, what were some of the things that were hard for you to talk about and even not even just talk about but hard to overcome? Cause You know, I think I tell people all the time, therapy is awesome, it's a beautiful experience, but so is marriage, so is having a baby, but there are painful moments in that time frame. So, like, what what was challenging for you to talk about and overcome, if you could even just give a couple things?
1: Yeah, it was challenging for me to come to terms with As much as I love my parents, as much as I think they are the best two people walking this planet, that they are human beings and that they made mistakes along the way. And to not take that as they were bad parents, but that they were just two people trying to figure this thing out as well. They were learning as they were going. There was no, you know, handbook to say how you should parent someone. And so is there were things coming up in me that happened in my childhood, if she said, you know, this you do this because you were taught this, my initial reaction was like, uh-uh. Like, I, I'm not going to blame my parents for this, or my parents were great, or my parents were wonderful, or, or you know, you just kind of go into this protection piece of your family members. And so being able to recognize that my parents are human beings And that they made some mistakes and being able to have some of those conversations with them. It has truly helped our family all the way around because they can come back to me and give me their version of what happened and say, yeah, we didn't know what we were doing then. Or we didn't we weren't aware this was going on or whatever the case may be. I feel like it just gave me a different perspective of who they are today Mm -hmm. and and recognizing that there was some things inside of me that I was holding against them that I didn't even recognize I was holding against them. Mm. So that was, Mm -hmm. that was one thing that I had to to overcome because you don't want to paint your, the people you love in a bad light, but Mm -hmm. it was also a piece of me that had to accept that this was my truth. And so in order for me to work through those issues, I had to accept that that's just, that's how it was. And, and they just didn't know. And that's okay. And not take it as, you know, if I say something to them, they're going to think they were horrible or they did a bad job. Yes. And so
0: that's
1: yes. that, that protection that piece.
0: Yeah. And I think that that can be hard sometimes because even if you grew up having the best set of parents, or if you grew up having the opposite, In both cases, there's still some things that from the past your childhood, there are patterns of things that are going on in adulthood that are completely tied to childhood experiences.
1: Yes, because what I realized I did because I used to feel guilty about having two parents. I used to feel guilty about the life that they were able to give to me that I started to become someone who needed to be perfect in order to live up to their expectations. So I I really struggle with perfectionism and I struggle Mm. with disappointing them. So there's been Mm. times where I will do things that I don't really want to do, but because I don't want to disappoint them, that's what I do. I try Mm. to like show up. And to meet their expectation, or I try to show up and be perfect, Ashley that doesn't do anything wrong because she doesn't want to dis- disappoint her parents. And so that's really at the core of who I am, and I'm just, I'm still trying to work through that. You know, I'm still trying to work through. It's okay, your parents love you regardless of if you make mistakes or if you if you don't live up to their expectations or if you disappoint them they're still going to love you but it's a part of me that feels like I will lose their love if I don't show up exactly how they want me to show up you know and so yes
0: and no go ahead no I'm done oh (laughs) okay so I was gonna say something about um when you describe the perfectionism Mm -hmm. describe like what that looks like outside of the parent relationship but describe how much, like, that can be a weight on you in everyday life? Um, That's a loaded question.
1: (laughs) So it it shows up in me in a lot of different ways. It shows up in my relationship with my brother. Like, I try to be super sister. I try to do everything that I can do to make sure that I'm showing him how much I love him, how much I care about him, it shows up in my friendships. I don't say no a lot of times. I try to do all things for all people. Um, it may, It's created a doer in me. Like I do things for people. If you can't afford something, girl, that's cool. I, I got you because I want you to come to this restaurant with me. Or, you know, you don't have your stuff together. That's okay. Like I'll write your resume for you. Like that type of like showing up, Ashley's always got it. She's always got yeah. it together. Um, not yeah, showing sorry, people, no you know, like a vulnerable side of me. Um, I've always kind of been the pillar of strength. Like most people, even my closest friends probably have never really seen me cry or, you know, pop off about anything. I'm typically a very laid back, even kill type of person until you push me to that limit. So although I may be feeling a certain type of way, like I hold it together. Like I, I put the the mask on, like nothing is wrong with me. If you hurt my feelings, I'm not going to tell you, you hurt my feelings. I'm just going to keep going. I may not talk to you, you know, I may give you the styling treatment. That's how I show up, but I'm not really the one that's going to like cuss you out or pop off on you. And so I always try to like present myself. Like I got it all together. And then nothing hurts me or, or nothing keeps me up at night or I'm just cool. I'm good. Like the things that you say to me, they don't bother me. But that's not the truth. You know, I may be at the house as soon as I leave you bawling and drinking a whole bottle of wine, you know, but <laughs> you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that part of me. And so the vulnerability piece for me has been tough. To really mm-hmm. let people in and let them see that side of me and so that's how it sh- it shows up I just will I will shut down and I just won't interact with you or I just give you like dirty looks you know like you know I'm mad at you but I won't verbalize it I won't say anything I just need a break from you and then I may pop up and boom you know I'm like hey girl how you going how's it going you know what's let's go do this let's go do that after I've gone through it on my own but I won't have that conversation with you Did to me
0: girl you and I are the same person <laughs> <laughs> I know we say that we say that to each other all the time <laughs> but sis that is literally like the struggle with feeling like you gotta show up for people but like I am learning you gotta show up for yourself because if you don't show up for yourself, it's like no one will really see. They'll just, and I think what you what I heard you say and what kind of sounds like is the thing of creating boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like boundaries are a big thing for people that struggle with wanting to be there for other people, and and like you said, being vulnerable and just kind of just being, what's the word am I trying to say? Just, just trying to be there for other people in a way that's still healthy for you. Right. Yeah. I
1: think Um, I was talking to my mom and I was telling her that what I recognize that has happened in my life is that I have shown up as this got it all together all the time type of person that people don't really allow me to be vulnerable so if i am vulnerable they say like who is this like i can't Mm -hmm. handle this emotional sad angry person and so then i feel like they reject me if i show up in my vulnerability to them even with relationships if there's conflict there's not many times that i can remember that i have gotten into it with somebody that i love whether that's a family member or friend I'm not going to say a significant other, but that they've come back to me to tell me that they're sorry. And I think it's because I just show up so much is like, I don't really care about stuff. And this is before I went to therapy. I don't think I do it as much now, but I used to just show up with like, I don't really care that much that people just would say whatever they could to get a reaction out of me. You know, they just throw words or throw shade or be petty or whatever, but because, I was kind of stone cold and acted like it didn't affect me that no one ever felt the need to come to me and say, you know what, girl, I'm sorry for how I treated you. Like, I'm sorry that that's how you felt. Mm. I, I didn't, I haven't dealt with that a whole lot in my life. I haven't dealt with a lot of people who just came to me genuinely and said, you know, I'm sorry for what I did to you. And I think it's because of how I have shown up myself, like I don't really care. And so Mm -hmm. therapy helped me to understand that that's how I was showing up. So I had this expectation that people would say that they're sorry or apologize to me or try to fix things with me. But I, I wasn't showing up in a way that they thought like they needed to do that.
0: Exactly. I was going to, I was going to say that actually before you said that was like, it almost creates this expectation that I don't have to apologize because Ashley's not going to care anyway. Yeah. Or she's not going to be bothered by it, but like it becomes this suppressed feeling of, yeah, I may not care, but later on, or like you said, I can look at you with the side, eye, I still feel something subconsciously that I may not mm-hmm. even be addressing with you. Right. Right. So, okay. So tell me, um, you've talked about this with me before, and I actually know about this type of therapy treatment, which is EMDR. I want to kind of talk about that because I don't know if people have heard about it before, but you told me about your therapist doing sometimes EMDR on you and the train is about to pass my house. Um, But just kind of briefly talk to me about kind of even how she introduced that to you and then what was it like when she does it and kind of what do you get out of it when she does do it with you?
1: Um. Okay. So she introduced it pretty early on because some of the things that I was dealing with, again, I kind of, it goes back to how I show up kind of shut down in a lot of ways. And so The EMDR for me, especially in the beginning, was for me to kind of sit and think about some of the things that I had blocked in my mind. And so basically what we do, she'll put headphones on, she'll play music. It kind of reminds you of like the music. If you go get a massage or something like that, soothing music. And then I put like two vibrating, I don't know what you call them. They just kind of vibrate at different pulses in your hand. And so I just sit there and I will, whatever we're discussing, whatever I need to, whatever needs to come up for me, it's just like a meditative moment for me to sit there with that inside, with those two things inside my hands. And then I'll think of of whatever it is. And for her, she asked me to channel God. You know, you pray to God, you ask God what it is that you, that he needs to come up for you that we need to talk about. And then based on whatever I feel that comes up and it's supposed to be very intuitive. So I don't really, I'm not really supposed to think about it too hard. It's just supposed to be like words or maybe phrases that come up and I'll do it for a certain amount of time. And then we'll discuss whatever came up for me.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, And for people that uh, don't know what EMDR is, it's called eye movement. desensitization and reprocessing therapy. And it's supposed to be helpful. You can, of course, like research this if you're interested, Um, because I I, because I'm a therapist. I do know what it is. It's a type of treatment model that helps with kind of helping through um, subconscious thoughts. And it's a way it's like the pulsating things react with the brain or sometimes Mm -hmm. people do tapping. Um, sometimes people do, um, their hand movements, the therapist will do the hand movements and it reacts in the brain. It's not like, it's not hypnotizing. It's actually a treatment. No. Um, <laughs> cause people are like EMDI, but it basically, um, it kind of moves your, it, it, uh, I, it's hard to describe, but basically what it, it helps with the subconscious brain, the subconscious part of your brain to bring up for you, the things that, are kind of like pushed back and it's really helpful for people who've experienced trauma, who have, yes. like you said, kind of that, that thought process of pushing down and kind of shutting down things in their minds that aren't there, but really subconsciously they are um, and they bring it to your forward thinking and it helps with kind of just Clearing that out is what we always say um, to better be able to help. And it's very helpful. For people who have like chronic pain and all types of different things. So I won't get into a spiel of what EMDR is, but I wanted to kind of let you say how helpful it's been for you.
1: Yeah. Yo, so she does EMDR. Um, we use Splunknaut a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with that.
0: I've heard of it, but I'm not like, know it enough to kind of give a background of it I know EMDR because I recently been reading a lot about it because I actually Mm want to get trained in it when I become licensed so yeah but that's a whole different story
1: (laughs) yeah so she does that she does the splunkna, which I don't know the technical terms of it but it's really about the energy inside of you so she'll use my arm and she'll do like she'll like push down on it to kind of figure out where I'm getting blocked with certain things, typically like there's Mm -hmm. an age or, you know, maybe there's a particular scenario that happened and we need to get a little bit more information on it. And so Mm -hmm. that was, that was a little bit more quirky or freaked me out a little (laughs) bit more than the EMDR. I was like, what's she doing to my arm? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that, I really feel like for me, that's one of the things that's really helped me with that. And then she does the different cards, the feeling cards for me as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when I can't quite articulate how I'm feeling about something, I can throw out the different cards and she can look at those and kind of piece together what I'm feeling. And so those are the three methods she uses the most with me that, yeah, we've done that for almost again, three years now. And, they've been very beneficial to me. And so I think being open to whatever your therapist feels like it's going to help you because what Mm -hmm. works for me may not work for you, but it's been beneficial for me going into some of the deeper, darker areas of my life that I need to get clarity on it and get, just get out of my being, you know, sometimes you go to therapy and you just, are able to release things that you know have just been inside of you for a long time. And you just feel Child. so much more free when you're able to allow some of that just to kind of flow and get out of you. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. get out of me. It's almost like a, a demon that's been inside of you and you're mm-hmm. able to like allow it to come up and you just, yes. once you speak it out, you just feel so so much more free, and you don't have yes. that weight anymore.
0: Yes, and and I I tell people this a lot of times. You'd be surprised, especially because my therapist prays before our sessions. How even when I say things that are just, to me, I wouldn't necessarily say to people in everyday life. But when I say it to my therapist, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit. Like I use, like I say, the term when I describe therapy as my open confessional hears me. And it's like, I don't feel bound by the thought or my behavior anymore. It's almost like I feel free enough to say like, yes, I have struggled with this. And it's just a way for God to just like, give me a renewed mind when she kind of talks me through whatever I'm thinking. And it's like, no, that's really not true. But in my mind by myself, I've thought it was true. And so it gives me a space where I can really talk with somebody else and get an objective opinion, but also allow Holy Spirit to just speak through both of us in the way that I need to be able to hear it that's helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell me, it's kind of as we're talking about God, but tell me, how did God help you through those specific challenges? And what did you kind of learn about yourself as you were going through therapy about him? I'm asking you all the loaded questions.
1: <laughs> you are. Um. I, it helped me to lean on him more. I feel like it increased my faith in him because there were some times where I discovered some things about myself and about my experiences that I know for certain. If it had not been for God truly on my side, like I would. I would not be where I am today. I would not be in my right mind. Those things would have just overtaken me. I could have been in a state of depression. I could have been in a state of high anxiety all the time. And so leaving therapy, a lot of times I had no choice but to go to God in deeper prayer, to ask him to help me to get through some of those situations, ask him to help me to forgive certain people, ask him to allow me to to be open to reconciliation in some areas, ask him to forgive me for my own foulness, you know. A part of my Mm. therapy a, a lot of times was to forgive myself, forgive the person, and to forgive God because there were things that I was blaming him for in my life and therapy helped me to understand that I was putting that blame on him when I really Mm. needed to be seeking him for counsel and seeking him to help direct me. And so there's situations now where before I would have wanted to control them because naturally I'm a control freak. I like to be in charge. I like to say what's (laughs) going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And so, (laughs) And I think, you know, my need to be successful and my need to prove that I am not what some people said I was going to turn out to be has caused me to take different roads than I think God wanted to lead me down. But because mm-hmm. I was doing it under my own will, that's what I'm where I am because of that. And so mm-hmm. it's pushed me to be more intentional about the direction my life is going and to seek him and to surrender to him, Mm. which has been very tough for me because again, I like control. I like to dictate where things are going. And so the surrender piece comes again from being more self aware. If you don't know you're a control freak, Mm -hmm. you're not gonna know how much you really need to focus on surrendering to God, you know. And so the Listen. therapy helped me figure out how much of a control freak I am. Faith now kicks in and says, "Okay, now you know this about yourself. Let's start surrendering some of this stuff to Him." You know, you want a man, start surrendering that to God instead of trying to figure this thing out on your own because you're not doing a good job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you are failing in this area <laughs> because you try to do it on your own. And so I need you to surrender this to me and allow me to guide your steps, you know. And a a lot of my surrendering has to come from what I feel like society has taught me to do or things that I learned in the church and understanding that Mm -hmm. now you've been acting in religion. You haven't been acting in relationship. And so getting there... And understanding that relationship looks different than religion when that's all you've known. Like, I'm a church girl, so all I know is religion. And to switch that in my mind and start focusing more on relationship and now what that looks like. You know, it's a lot more time with God when you're trying to focus on relationship outside of religion because religion is routine for me. You know, I can quote the scriptures I need to quote. I can sing the songs I need to sing. I can pray the prayers that I know to pray because I've been praying them all my life, you know. But that looks totally different than truly having a relationship with God to put that before anything else to really ask God, like, what are you trying to do in my life? Where are you trying to take me? What are you trying to show me? And, and truly listening to him, that looks totally different than just the rituals and the routines that I'm accustomed to.
0: Mm. Child, I am really trying not to shout over here. Like I'm, I'm I'm holding myself back. Cause you said a couple words that spoke to me, surrender, forgiveness, religion versus relationship. But I'm gonna stay on religion versus relationship real quick because I think- Especially having had gone to therapy, I've learned that I, in my own self, thought that I was really in relationship with God, but I was really all in religion because religion teaches us to condemn, it teaches us to shame, it teaches us that we have to be perfect in order to come to God, it teaches us that we're not supposed to do certain things that we have to do this one way and if we don't do it this one way it's not we're not gonna be equal we're not gonna be accepted by God and I realized not for even other people doing that but I did that to myself like I put myself in a box of I can't curse I can't do this 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 or I can't like I told you earlier, like sometimes I'll say a little word here and there mm-hmm. or more me too but
1: <laughs> or three
0: or three or oh. four. but
1: in general like
0: <laughs> trying to keep the composure over here but literally like putting myself in a box which in turn it literally it makes my mind be tormented by the enemy because i will never be enough to fit god's mm-hmm. standard what makes yeah. me enough is when I accept Jesus and the blood of Jesus washes me. Now, I don't want to get preachy, but in just saying that relationship with God changed completely when I realized, yeah, girl, you are messed up. Sis, you real messed up. Mm -hmm. But I still love you kind of thing.
1: Yes, that's what I want to focus on when I'm having these conversations with different women of faith is to help them to understand that they are enough. You know, I remember there was a time in my life where I just felt like I was not in alignment with God, that I was doing everything under the sun that he told me that I should not be doing. And instead of me running towards him, religion was condemning me so much where I felt so shameful and so guilty And so unworthy Mm -hmm. of his love that I was running away from him. I was Mm -hmm. not praying to him when I that's when I should have been praying and seeking him the most. I was running far, far, far away from him because the church and religion had told me that I was doomed and I was going to hell. So I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, then. There's really Might no well point in me having a relationship.
0: Get
1: me that. Yeah, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a yolo it out. You know, if I'm going, I'm a go. We are gonna go all the way out. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. that that piece of it, that shame, that guilt, that not enoughness, it just had me weighed down so much where I had to create. I don't even think I told you this. Like I had to create an alarm for myself at one point in time in my life. My alarm went off at five o'clock every single day, and it simply said, You are enough. Because that's how bad I felt about myself. Because religion had condemned me so much, you know. You hear the scriptures and you get the dirty looks, and the people. I know that they're for certain people that I see every single Sunday at church that thought that I was going to get pregnant and at a young age and not do anything with my life because they said I was fast and I was out here hoeing around. I mean, I'm just going to keep it real. That's what they thought I was doing at the time. I wasn't doing it, but because Mm. that was their perception of me, they condemned me and was like, Oh, she just, no, she she's just out here. She's just fast. She's just running around, you know, doing everything she needs to be doing. And so I think that's where some of my perfectionism came in, because I was so determined to prove those people wrong. Like I was so determined to say whatever you said about me, that I was going to get pregnant early and that I was, you know, hoeing around and I wasn't going to make anything of myself. I was determined to prove those people wrong not understanding that if I was just really if I had understood to seek God in that that I could have just stood in the confidence and knowing that I wasn't doing half the stuff that they said I was doing mm. but because I felt so condemned you know and I felt so ashamed that it really pushed me to start doing more stuff that they were saying I was doing Listen. because I was like well if they already think I'm doing it then hey Listen. let's go make it happen.
0: There's that girl,
1: girl. I tried to keep my
0: composure <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want y'all, y'all. Listen, me and Ashley will go in for real, and I'm trying to not be loud over here. Whew, girl, okay, yes. So, so I just think, and I do agree. Like we put so much weight in people's opinion of who they think we are based off what they see or a mistake we made or something we went through that we hold weight to what people think. And it's like God thinks of us and that's the only thing that we should hold. Like if, if our identity is him and the Bible says all these things that we're his children and we're accepted, we're his masterpiece and we're, you know, blessed by him. It's like all those things don't matter um but i think in switching back gears to back to therapy i think in order for you to really see the trueness of what you what you are like that self awareness piece we were talking about earlier like you got to deal with what you've seen thus far and what has led up to this this point yep
1: the therapy piece i think is really about self Therapy is like self-care you're more self-aware you're more self-confident mm. you are you are much more in tune with who you are and I think people have this false sense that they know who they are, but they really don't like they really don't know truly within who they are because they're too scared to go to certain areas of their lives. Like they're too scared to go to places that created who they are and experiences that created who they are. And so they just are out here living. Mm -hmm. When you go to therapy, you have to examine yourself so much, even in situations where the other person may have done something wrong or something may not have been done in a way that was beneficial to you. Therapy still allows you the ability to take ownership in whatever part that you played. Mm -hmm. And it's that self-accountability piece that you get when you start going to therapy. And I, I think you can just live a... My life is lived in a much different way today than it was back then Mm -hmm. because I'm clearer on who I am Mm -hmm. and I'm a, a lot more I love myself more than I did back then you know I can accept my flaws I can accept the not so great parts about me because now that's not the only thing that I focus on I can also focus on the great things about me and the things that I love about myself and I can be a lot more unapologetic about those areas of myself as well instead of wanting to shrink i think it makes you a lot more aware when you want to shrink you know in certain situations where that those lessons that i've learned about myself those therapy conversations that i've had that says okay you used to shrink here but this is not the time to shrink this is not the time to to sit back this is the time for you to push forward You and I have had many conversations about that and what God is trying to do in each of our lives. And at the end of the day, ain't nobody making us do any of this. You know what I'm saying? No one is making you do this uh, therapy as a Christian podcast every single week. No one made you put out that therapy as a Christian journal. No one makes me do sister talk every single week. No one makes me, you know, have the empowerment events or do the coaching but it's that internal piece of me now that I'm so much more self-aware of that like, ain't none of this about me. Like, God is calling me to do this. He's calling me to put this information out to his
0: people. Yes.
1: And so <laughs> therapy has allowed me to be open to what the calling that God has on my life. Like, I may not be qualified because you know we've had that conversation like, yes. girl, this, mm-hmm. this why yes. God? Why yes. me? Like, I don't want to do yes. this, but now yes. I can't yes. turn yes. away from it because
0: because I, like, love I, you, I, Lord. You I love you. I love you. And I want to do it because I love you. And I want your people to experience this love. And I know you do. So I know that's why you you want me to do this.
1: Yes. So where I would shrink under my own will, I can't do that anymore. I can't because he's pushing me. He's saying, no, you got to do this more I need you to do more I need you to speak out I need you to step up I'm calling you for this specific task and I think you've got to have a certain level of awareness in yourself to be able to truly hear that calling from him because and that's the
0: preparation yeah
1: yeah you're not gonna hear it and so
0: yeah. Ooh, child, I wish we had said that in the beginning because I know we don't we could talk for hours <laughs> I know, <laughs> okay, so I wanna kind of wrap up really quickly. Okay. um, what would you kind of tell someone that has never been to therapy? I ask a question to every interview person, um especially those that have those that are in the church.
1: Mm-hmm. I would tell them to go mm-hmm. if they feel the push to go to go it's like what's the worst that could happen you know if you are seeking to know more about yourself and to deepen your relationship with God then I think therapy is a great stepping stone to be able to do that and I think it's very important for you to seek him and to pray to him and to ask him who should be your therapist
0: Mm -hmm. You know, because
1: not everyone is going to be in alignment with what you're trying to do. And so you've got to be careful, just like with any other avenues we pursue. But I think that especially with therapy, because someone is you're telling someone. The inner workings of your life and you're trusting them to help facilitate how you should start to now maneuver through life in a different way. And that's a tall task for a therapist, Yes, but it therapy really only works when there's a relationship between you and the therapist. I yes. think that's a piece that a lot of people, they miss that. Like I have to be in relationship with my therapist in order for that to work. It has to be mm-hmm. mutually beneficial other mm-hmm. than me paying her for it to work. Because there's times where she comes to me with certain things, because I am a black woman that she's just not aware of because she's a white woman. And so I can help her in that way when it comes to certain things that she can't get from one of her white clients. And so it's Mm -hmm. a mutually beneficial relationship between us Mm -hmm. where yes, I'm paying her, but I trust her enough to, to open up to her and she has to have some level of trust with me to be able to pour into me, you know?
0: Right, exactly.
1: That's important when you're looking for a therapist. But I would say if God is pushing you to do it, to do it, you know, you got to put faith over fear. And a lot of times we procrastinate and we don't do things because we're so fearful of what the outcome is. But if you truly have faith and he's truly telling you that this is what you need to do, then you need to be obedient and do what he's asking you to do.
0: Mm-hmm. If you're listening, you ask God for a sign today. This your sign, sis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Obedience. You gotta be obedient, Listen,
0: right? Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. I appreciate thank it. You for this. Is also, I know, and this recording was like so much more. I feel better than the other way. <laughs> so that was anyway, purpose and plan. The- Listen, okay. Okay, so tell the people where they can find you.
1: Okay, so on Instagram, I am Ashley underscore Natrice. And then on Facebook, my fan page on Facebook is Miss Sustonomics. And then my website is dot And you can find me, follow me on all platforms. If you have any additional questions for me, feel free to DM me, to message me. I always love connecting with new people. And, and listen yeah, to the a Talk
0: podcast. You. I will have all the information on the show. Listen to the, listen the Talk
1: show. podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And so you can find the link to the podcast as well on missusanomis.com. Or in the link in my bio on Instagram and on Facebook if you want to check out the podcast.
0: Yes, yes. All right, Ash. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.